You're listening to the Audacious Leadership Podcast. This interview was recorded by Senior Pastor Glenn Barrett during the coronavirus lockdown of 2020. For any more information about us, head to our website, audaciouschurch.com. Hey, what's up, my friend? My man, this is a good day. This is a good day. Let's just start this out right. You're my good luck charm. Yeah? I'm going to show you why. First thing, I found hand sanitizer at the store. And if, no, 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 no. And if that ain't all, I found disinfectant wipes at the store, bro. Dude, I hadn't found that. In, in, but because I'm on with you and Audacious, God shined on me. It's been too long, bro. It's been oh, way too long. Ages, man. So, oh, my. Married to Michelle, got a son called Dominic. How old is Dominic now? Dominic today is 26. No way. Oh it's my his gosh. birthday. But Dominic is an aeronautical engineer, works in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, just he's making bank. He has one of those jobs that are necessary in America. So he's yeah. doing really good. He told Thanks. me to tell you hi. Yeah, yeah. Give a love to Michelle and Dom from the UK. Well, and so aeronautical engineer, does that mean he's going to be, he's working with planes and those sorts of things? Absolutely. Yeah. He fixes them, helps build them, the ball of it. He does it even for the uh, Department of Defense. So he's doing really good. Well, listen, Reggie, I remember when he was really young, I reckon I must've met you 16 years ago. So if, if that kid from 16 years ago is now fixing and working on planes, I don't know how, how good I feel about this. You know what I mean? Dude, it's like, hey, I told him, I said, look, man, you can work for any airline, but in America, I fly Delta a lot. I said, anybody but Delta, because if I see you getting on the plane to fix something, <laughs> I'm out. I'm going out. So good to have you on, Reggie. So good to see your face. And um, I've got a whole heap of questions I'm going to ask you tonight, Reggie. Uh, the first few are rapid-fire questions, just so we can get to know you a little bit. Some people won't know you. Don't know how that may be the case, but some might and, uh, and then we'll get into a few serious questions as well about, you know, just how people can, can best cope with isolation, you know, um, yeah. challenges that they're facing and things like that. So a few questions for you. Um, thinking breakfast, are you a cereal or toast man? Toast. What do you have on the toast? Jelly. Jelly. Is that jam? Or jam. My bad, jam. I'm in England. Jam. All right. Jazz or blues? Oh, jazz. So um, here's a good question. Are you City or United? That's not a question. I'm city. Come on, till I die, blue moon. You <laughs> saw me standing alone. Come on. What about this question? Basketball or baseball? Basketball. Okay. What about basketball or American football? Oh, American football. You know, I still have no idea how American football is played. None. Dude, next time you're here, I need to take you. It's like, remember our friend Paul Gearling? He said the same thing until I took him. And once he went to a game live, he figured it out. So, so you we and I went, make that happen. We went to an Australian football game, didn't we? Aussie Rules about yep, two absolutely. years ago. And you took me to my first ever Man City game. That's true. Hooked did me. we win? Yeah, we did. Austin Villa, right? Is that it? Austin Villa? Aston Villa, yeah. Aston, Aston Villa, yeah. We went it was there. We got abused. We lost in the stand because <laughs> some reason you didn't tell me how nasty people were. <laughs> I don't it think was anyone, unbelievable. I don't think anyone was going to mess with you, though, to be fair. Um, <laughs> steak or pasta? Steak. 80s or 90s? 80s, best music. Beach or shops? Oh, Beach. Okay, and the last question, this is a question I've asked to every person over the last few weeks, Reggie. This is really important. Glenn or Neil? Ooh. Wait, wait, wait. Are, are we talking about the people that we know, Glenn or Neil? Like me oh, or the guy in Australia? Are, no, you. Do you know what, right? Two weeks ago I was interviewing Neil and I forgot and I copied and pasted it from the previous interview and I, and I got to question 11. I said, so, Glenn O'Neill. And I went, oh, hang on a minute. That's the wrong one. <laughs> all right, Reggie, a few more. Favorite movie of all time? Remember the Titans. Oh, that's a great movie. Favorite book of the Bible? John. John. Um, all right. Your personal preaching fail. 
So for me, the all-time classic for me is I fell off a stage six foot high, landed into the altar call and winded myself, fell off stage. What about you? What's yours? Okay. It was, I was preaching on the Jesus in the garden and then they came after Jesus. And then one of his disciples named Peter, he cut the dude's ears off. Right. Yeah. But I said his name instead of saying ear. That's the best way to say it, right? <laughs> I don't know how it happened. <laughs> it just wasn't. It was. It was. It wasn't right, bro. It, I was. I. I don't know how to. I can't. I don't know. It was, and it was recorded. I've, I. I. Yeah. It's gonna come back. Oh gosh, give me a copy of that. <laughs> it's gonna come back. It is. Favorite song of all time. Ooh. Oh, man. Amazing Grace. Gosh, yeah. Uh, Reggie, if you had to be self-isolating with three people, either dead or alive, who would they be? Oh, first would be Jesus because he can end this thing quick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Good. The second would be uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, just I just got a couple of questions. I need to find out because he was like, he was resilient. He really, he died for what he believed in. I'd like yeah. to spend time with that. And then the third would probably be uh, Stevie Wonder because we got to have a music breakup in here every now and then. Yeah, yeah. You could both play. That'd be that'd be pretty awesome, actually. In fact, Reggie, do you sing as well or do you just play? No, I just play. Uh, I only sing if I have to. Reggie, one of our regional pastors for church wants to know what's your favorite lockdown piece for saxophone? My favorite lockdown piece. Like if you're at home, you're just going to pick yeah. up a saxophone, you're going to play, what would that be? But right now, I'll do what I'm going to do for you tonight. What a wonderful world. Love it. It's, it's, it's a cool song. I like that one. Oh, here's a good question. Josh Cocker, our, one of our youth pastors, you know Josh, he wants to know, would you rather support Manchester United or never watch Super Bowl again? I'll never watch Super Bowl again. And I've been to the last 11. But I, I can't do it. can't do it. That's the devil. I'm not yes. asking the devil in my life. Reggie, Who's I love that? him more. Whoever I that is, they should be fired. That's not a good question. you got to love Jesus more than anything, especially <laughs> the devil. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, all right, here's a good question from, from Joel Weaver. You know Joel, bass player? Yeah, also, yeah, yeah. What's oh, the craziest, craziest situation you've ever been um, found yourself in while preaching? Um, the craziest situation, uh, in a public school now, I had a kid pull a gun in a cafeteria and I had to talk him down. That was good. That was nuts. Dude. That was very nuts. Very, very yeah. nuts. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was probably the craziest thing that's ever happened. I've had people yell at me. I don't mind that. I think it's kind of cool. And I yell back. So then that didn't makes it real fun. But, uh, yeah, that was probably, it. and I won, I got the gun kids. Good. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling that story once. That's, yeah. that's harrowing, isn't it? Saul Morris has asked a great question, actually. But but let, let me kind of find a different slant on it. What is um what are the differences between teaching in a public school in in America or in a in a high school in America and a high school in in the UK and, and across Europe? What would, what would they be? Do you think? Um, I think there's not much difference. They're they're more quiet in the UK and in in, in, in Europe. Uh, American kids are wide open, bro. But then again, if you go like to the inner city of Manchester, inner city London, they get closer to the American system. And and that's because they're city kids. City kids are always vocal, always going to. And I love that. I love that. But in the country, they're more quiet, reserved, shy. You know, they like it, but they're not. And, you know, if I come into inner city Manchester and and drop a beat and says, can anybody dance? Somebody going to jump up and just start throwing down. Whereas if I do that in like Liverpool, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to lose every Liverpool person. <laughs> and that's okay. We don't but that's, that's the difference. It's just that whole personality. It's wide open in the cities, but in the countries, it's not as much. But in America, it's all wide open. Yeah. So listen, for those of you just tuning in, if you don't know Reggie, Reggie is um, – one of the United States' top 
secondary school speakers. You, you speak all over the United States, all over the world, really. How many, yeah. on average, are you, are you speaking to every year, Reggie? We do a million students a year. A million students a year. And, We're not going to uh, make it this year, but hey, that's okay. Yeah. Tell, tell me, where would you say, what country or what area, specific location maybe, would you say is really the toughest crowd that you've ever had to kind of, you know, you've had to work really hard to win their attention, to win their hearts? Yeah, it, it would be uh, down south in the middle of America. So the states, and they're not bad, it's just what it is. Mississippi, Louisiana, they call it the Delta, the Mississippi Delta, all along that southern part, because they've grown up the poverty. If you look at the uh, the whole racism thing and where it grew up, where it was really violent, where back in the day people were lynched and hung and all that, all that happened down in that Mississippi Delta where the public school kids there, they 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 don't care. They just don't care. They have no hope. And that's where I love to go the most because that's where hope needs to be. And once that kid catches a spark that I can do something, then it can never be put out. But you have to fight for those kids. And I love doing that. And that's my favorite area. So it's okay. that whole Mississippi, Louisiana kind of kind of area down through there, Arkansas. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And listen, I, I've got this Mendez guy. I don't know who Mendez is. Keeps asking the question, do you remember Klamath Union High School? Can you answer this question? Because he's dropping so many into the inbox. He's doing, he keeps doing it. Klamath, yes. Is he, wait, that, was, that wasn't really a big school at all. Was, were you there? You can just let us know. Let me know if you were there when I came and spoke there. Yeah, awesome. But that, would, that would be cool to know. Yeah, I do now, remember. Now, listen, Reggie, it would be fair to say that it's your friendship with me that made you a Man City fan that, that kind of helped encourage you in that direction. What is it about Scotland and how is it that Sparky turned your heart and your head and your attention and your gaze in such a magnificent way to the nation of Scotland? But what, what, what is it? What happened exactly? You know what happened? It, it was, it was that, that first tour we ever did. And, and, and it, was, it was Sunday afternoon. I was preaching Sunday night. And I said, I need an opener that's going to just make everybody excited at Audacious. And he goes, do this. Just get up and say, if it wasn't for Scotland, there'd never been an England. And I did that, and it was the worst response I could have ever asked from anybody in the world. Because Sparky and one other person cheered, and everyone else booed me and was ready for me to leave. <laughs> oh, so, so other than being on the golf course, I'm never listening to Sparky again. <laughs> never again. <laughs> All right, Reggie, here's a good one. Um, you know, for those of us who know you, we've heard your story. It's an amazing story just of God's grace in your life. You know how your biological mum, your parents who raised you, such a fantastic story. Do you think in the next, in four or five minutes, just can, can you just share with everyone your story so people can get context oh. to the fact that now you speak to a million teenagers every year, but this is my upbringing. This is where God brought me from. Go for it. Absolutely. The, the day I was born, uh, when I was old enough to understand, I was told that my mom screamed in the delivery room, I don't want it. I don't want it. And she gave me away to a lady who was in the delivery room helping her give birth, who was her teacher in high school. So my mom, the day I was born, he abandoned me and gave me to her favorite teacher in school. I was raised by that teacher whose husband was a school janitor, and they raised me my whole life. I was eight years old when they told me my story, and it was literally like I was plugged into a light socket and somebody yanked the plug out, and all the energy just was gone. And I literally thought, if your own mom don't want you, nobody's going to want you. And it was, it grew up in a, it was, a, it was pretty dark. It was pretty lonely, pretty sad. Uh, I remember around 12, 13, thinking I shouldn't live anymore. And I remember one morning at 3 a.m., I decided I'm done. I started to cry, and my bedroom door opened. Now, if your bedroom door opens at 3 in the morning, you should run, okay? <laughs> that's a horror movie, and, and if you black like me, you're going to die because all black people die in scary movies. It's just the way it is. But it was my foster care dad, the janitor. He literally walked in, and he, and he said, I heard you crying. Are you all right? I said, how could you hear me cry? Your room's on the other end of the house. And he says, no, son, every day you hug your mom. But for the past three days, you haven't. 
and I knew something was wrong. So two nights ago, when I came home, I decided I wanted to be close. So I slept by your door. And this morning I heard you cry. And he goes, I'll love you to the day I die. And he sit there until I fell asleep. And I, and, and I, it took me to revelations when it, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door and let me in, I'll come in. And, you know, Jesus sent a janitor and him to knock at my door. And, uh, and that, that, that day I realized somebody cared. It wasn't the end of the darkness or the cloud or the loneliness. But every time I started thinking I don't want to live, I literally thought of that janitor and that teacher. And I thought it would break their heart. The only people who cared about me, I can't let them down like that. And until hope came, they were my hope. Until love came, they were my love. Until that peace came, they were the peace that I needed. And I just decided I wanted to be like that for the world. You know, yeah, until Jesus' love comes, I want to be that love. Till, till hope comes, I want to be that hope. Till peace comes, I want to be that peace. You know, I'm not the greatest of all of people in the world. But for a moment, maybe I can give you the hope you needed until tomorrow. And tomorrow you can find out about Jesus and he can change you forever. So that's what I do. That's why I, that's why it's a million. Kids. I didn't expect that. You don't you don't wake up and go, oh, I'm going to speak to a million people every year. No, you say I need somebody to love me the way that teacher loved me. I need somebody to care about me the way that that janitor cared about me. And even though they're dead and gone, I find myself almost every day talking about them. And they live because they live today because of the actions they did when they were alive. So we got to live today and tomorrow we keep on living because of the actions that we do today. I love that, Reggie. Yeah. And I think what's fantastic when you share that story is that there's so many different um, avenues you can take with that at, at any different points. Uh, I really love the moment there where, where your dad said to you, I remember saying this a few times, I, I cannot give you my blood, but I can give you my heart. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, I, and I think one of the things that's really brilliant about the way you um, communicate with teenagers, well, to people in any setting, because people of all ages love you, Reggie, is the way you're able to communicate your heart to them. And, you know, there's comments coming up, people saying, love you, Reggie, Uncle Reggie, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I remember that one time, uh, you know, you, you preached, I think it was at Planet Shakers, and afterwards you said, listen, if you're here and, you, and your dad or your mum's not giving you a hug, um, I'm here and I'll give you a hug. And and you just stood at the front of the auditorium as hundreds of teenagers, you know, lined up to to give you a hug, lots of weeping, et cetera. Yeah. What do you think the key is in for a Christian and for a leader to actually be a leader, a Christian, an influencer, a pastor who actually can convey heart? I think one of the things that, that I've I've noticed over sort of 25 years of being a pastor is that sometimes you meet some leaders and it's very transactional, head to head. But but the, the, there's always a heart shift. There's, there's always something that takes place within the heart of a person when Reggie Dab speaks. How have you crafted that? And and how can you encourage people in terms of their communication and influence of others in that way? It's it's that it's that simple story in the New Testament of the Good Samaritan. You know, and I believe Jesus was so intentional when he said that there was a man who was beaten. And I, I love the way the Bible says it. It says he was robbed and beaten half naked. Now, now it's one thing to get robbed. And you live in Manchester. You can get robbed anywhere in Manchester, London, in America. You can get robbed. But to get beat half naked, you should have went to the YMCA and took some classes in karate or something. Because you shouldn't let nobody beat your drawers off of you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but this dude, he didn't just get beat up. And Rob, he got humiliated. Hello? He was humiliated. And he was laying on the road. And the first guy that walked by was a priest. Everybody knows who a priest is. He's the guy that tells us right from wrong. But yet and still, when it came time where the rubber meet the road, he chose wrong. And he walked on the other side of the road. The second guy was a Levite. And what's crazy about a Levite is one of the roles of a Levite in in the definition is a a person who sings in the temple before the priest, priest preaches a sermon. So he's a worship leader. So literally the two front guys in our church movement walked across on the other side of the road. And then the third guy, they said he was a Samaritan. And I looked up the definition. I love this. An ordinary common man or woman who rises above the prejudice of their time to do what's right. Love so to be honest, a long time ago, I decided I don't want to be a priest because I'll walk by somebody who needs me. 
And I'm not knocking preachers or priests. I mean, I'm an ordained minister, but but it's not. I don't think Jesus said that. I don't think he said it because of the title or the job. I think he said it because of the attitude we can end up having when we live with titles. Okay, it don't matter. It's just we got to be that guy who rises above their circumstances to do something great. And that's what this coronavirus is literally like God and and T.D. Jake said it the other day. He said, it's like God came down, put us all in timeout, said, go to your room. And when you come out, you need to be better than you were when I sent you to your room. So how are we going to get better when we're locked away in this quarantine? Social distancing. What does that mean? How about this? Six feet apart. What does that mean? You know, stay at home. What does that mean? All those things mean that we have to care about other people more than we care about ourselves. We literally have to have compassion, empathy, and pity on others more than us. We're leaving this whole coronavirus thing as a world should be better people. We should be looking at other people. What can we do to make their day better, their life better? And in that, we get to come out better than we were. But long before this, that's the dude I wanted to be. And I've literally have crafted everything I do around that. Hey, I could sleep later. But if I can stand and hug a kid and tell him I love him, that's cool. You see Uncle Reggie, that's my thing. My whole thing is, no, I'm not pastor. You know, I'm not, I'm I'm in the family. I'm just family. So I'm just Uncle Reggie. Everybody got that uncle they love and the one they hate. I'm the one you love, you know, Uncle Reggie, <laughs> man. And, and, you know, and not the one you love after he's drunk. No, he just loves you automatically. That's what I want to be. Uh, everybody needs family. And I've looked at ministry like family. But while I'm there, we're family. You know, when, when Sparky said, hey, can you do this for Pastor Glenn? I went, shoot, yeah. I said, I'll change my schedule to do this for you guys because we family. And, you know, we haven't seen each other for a few years now. But yet still, we text when city wins and stuff. We just text back and forth. Why? Because we're family. And that's what family does. And me and you, Glenn, we got family members all over the world, from all the way down in New Zealand to all the way Australia to just all over. And it's cool because we're in this thing together. And out of sight is not out of mind. And that's the kind of people we have to be. We have to be strategic. We have to be intentional. We got to walk through the room slowly that's what we have to do. And hopefully me saying this, if you've seen me or been around me, you're like, yep, that's him. Yeah, that's him. That's him. You know what I did? I, I got I had the privilege because of you mainly to go to London, to Hillsong a lot. And we've done schools. We work with the London police and do schools all over London. We're in some of the worst schools. And there are schools that only have like 20, 25 students. I love that. Because those 25 kids are exactly where I need to be. I don't need to be with a thousand when I can take 25 and give them hope. And that's important. But but here's what I did. And when I do the Sunday services anywhere, if I know them or, you know, and I know I would, they wouldn't get mad, I don't stay in the green room. I go and I help ushers. I literally am a greeter at the door. And people go, Aren't you the aren't you the American? Aren't you the guy speaking? Yeah, have a seat. Come on in this door right here. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm setting the stage early that you want to hear what I'm going to say because I care. Yeah. And all we have to do is make sure people know we care. Yeah. Love it, Reggie. Well, one of the things that, that young people, people of all ages really struggle with is, you know, past moments that, that either they failed or there's recognition of some tragic difficulty in the past. Um, you know, obviously you, you, you've overcome that moment, you know, when as, as a child you kind of became aware of the birth situation that, that, that you had. Of course, your brilliant, I think, English teacher, you know, adopted you, the janitor, yeah. you know, you became part of that family, which is wonderful. But even the process of, of healing, healing from, you know, past, is, is, it is a process and it's very real. I'm, I'm really conscious that there's going to be people watching this who have got moments in their past either self-inflicted moments or situations that have arisen because of other people and they find it very very difficult to to shake it to um to let go of it and as a result of it 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 can affect mental health and um and i think that's that's a real real issue what would you say to people watching this right now who have these moments in the past that are so difficult and so tragic they're trying to step forward in life but it's like these past moments are an anchor holding them back how can you speak into that? 
You know, I think that, and I say it all the time, you're setting me up because you've heard me so many times, your past is your history, but your future is your destiny. I mean, that's that's one of my go-to phrases, but it's so true. And just this morning I was reading when Jesus got to the water and he was going to preach and the crowd was there and he saw two boats and he got in one and he said, can you push back a little? And when he got done preaching, he goes, let's go deep and drop your nets. And when he came back, the fisherman, his name was Simon, who ended up becoming Peter. He looked at Jesus and he says, you need to get as far away from me as you can. <laughs> he literally said that. He goes, Jesus, you need to get away from me. I'm not good for you. And Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And literally, he knew what his past was. He knew what his mistakes were. But he didn't understand that Jesus already knew too. And he still loved him. And he still cared about him. You know, a lot of times we think we have to perform to get people's approval, or we have to become something better or look greater or all that. When Jesus says, come just as you are. And we got to remember that. And and any, your past can creep up at any moment in your life and try to pull you down. But you got to always remember that Jesus had two boats he could have got in. For some reason, he got in Simon's. And I think he was intentional on doing that. And you have to understand if you're in church, he was intentional on you finding out about him. If you've never heard the story of Jesus, you're hearing it now. He was intentional about you being here on a Friday afternoon with us so that you can hear that. So never, ever, ever count yourself out, no matter what. The mind is an incredible thing. The mind can help us get places or it can shut doors that we should be. You yeah. can't let that happen. You guys cannot let that happen. You got to you got to all say and in the middle and I, I heard this and I love this in the middle of every, every painful thing, no matter how painful it is, there's a gift in the middle of our pain. There is a gift. We just got to find that gift. Beautiful, beautiful. And I remember hearing you once say, Reggie, that if, if you can get through and overcome then anybody out there can get through and overcome anything they're facing. Absolutely. The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony together, it can help anybody and everybody win. That's what it's about. Yeah. Reggie, you've done a whole lot of schools tours with us across Manchester and all across the United Kingdom. We've had funny moments in Scotland, uh, in in Wales, uh, across England. Haggis. Haggis. (laughs) Haggis in Scotland. Oh, Oh, yeah. Grew up again. You told me it was fish and chips. Do you know what? I told you it was a sausage roll, and you're like, I love sausage roll. Yeah, that's what you it went was. Into you that sausage roll, and it was a battered <laughs> haggis, honestly. It was awesome, oh. Reggie. Um, no, no, it wasn't. Favorite memory from the United Kingdom so far from all the tours you've done? We're looking forward to having you again. Um, but do you have a, a particular memory? Well, I love the schools. I love all that stuff. I love everything. But I, I left a pair of pants on a golf course. You did. You did. You can tell that one. You can tell. Matter of fact, you tell that story. I'm gonna run in the garage and grab my saxophone. You go grab the saxophone. I'll tell everybody. Okay. So everyone, I'm gonna be honest. It really happened. It, it's true. Reggie Dabs. We Reggie was doing uh, an event in the evening. We were in South Wales, down in outside Newport, and um, we were going down a hill. It was wet. It was slippery, and Reggie slipped, did the splits, and doing the splits, Reggie Dabs slid down the hill. And i got to be honest, my first thought was not laughter. My first thought was, oh, no, I'm going to have to preach tonight. And I was absolutely freaking out. And uh, anyway, it turns out that Reggie was okay. He did split his pants. He did have mud stains all down them. And um, we did laugh for a very, very long time. Also, there was one occasion that Reggie Dabbs was meant to speak at a venue one evening, and for some reason Reggie was unable to do it. So I had to fill in for Reggie Dabbs. Now, you've got to understand this, folks. People turned up expecting Reggie Dabbs, who's an amazing saxophone player, Reggie Dabbs, and they got me. And uh, I have never been as nervous as the night I had to fill in for Reggie Dabs. That was a crazy, crazy night. Okay, everyone, so Reggie is going to be playing for us in about 15 minutes' time. Hey! So um, it's going to be awesome. Reggie, just so you know, my family's on, so they're all sending their love. So no them. way! JD, Georgia sends their love. Hey, that guys. Good. They're so awesome. I love uh, your kids. 
So, Bud, somebody wants to know here, what's your favorite Bible verse? John 15, 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I love that. Because when I was little, I, oh, I was never little. But when I was younger, everybody got picked before me. In America, when you're like six years old to about 10 years old, there's a game that you only play at school, and it's called kickball. It's like, it's just a whole thing. Even now, kids still play kickball in those age levels. But I never got picked first. And there was a girl in one of my classes. Her name was Lisa. She was blind. And did you pick her before they picked me? Who does that? She ain't going to catch a ball. But they, and so ever since when I heard that scripture, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I was like, I don't care how many times I don't get picked to play kickball. God chose me. Love it. That's so good. My, hey, my, ne- my nephew's on. Will Cox. What up, Will? Will, Will. Will? <laughs> Will is on. He's awesome. He's a good kid. Where, where does he live? He lives in Austin, Texas. He's in grad school. He's a good nice. kid. Uh, Will, get back to work. You should be studying right now. I'll be doing yeah. good. Um, okay, so Foz wants to know, what's your usual message for prep? Your usual prep method for pre- preaching? My Okay, pre- I, I watch everything. I mean, from the news to uh, songs, whatever songs are out. And I literally lean toward the secular realms of music and everything because I'm always trying to grasp, you know, the guy on the fringe who's not really saved, what can I say to him to help him to get them in? And so I do a lot of that. I pay attention to uh, social media, what's happening in the world. And uh, I'm not a political kind of guy. I stay away from that stuff. I don't do that um, unless I'm I'm forced to. The other day I was forced to have to say something when a young African-American guy was shot jogging down the street. Whether he was robbing somebody or not, that just can't be done. And I'm and, and you know when that stuff happens, the phrase that hits me it was from Martin Luther King Jr. and he says it will not be the shouts the shouts of my enemy, it will be the silence of my friends. And uh, now you can't stay silent; you have to say something. And and people get mad. People got mad at me. I mean, they went off. They said I need to find out what I'm talking about before I open my mouth. And I just and all I did was I put this is wrong, and I and I put that quote from Martin Luther King Jr. And it was enough to give people. But we live in an opinionated world. So if you're in ministry and you want to be successful in ministry, you got to have a strong back. You got to let people say what they want. You can't you don't have to defend yourself all the time. You can just let it happen. Just lay it out there and always end with this love. It's all about love, hope and love, no matter who they are. Uh, Just going to let you know, it was right when this started. I had a youth group ask me to come on and they, they did just like this on, on, and we were asking me questions. And in the question, uh, somebody put up, uh, Reggie must die. This black blank blank needs to die. And by tomorrow he'll be dead in a coffin and we'll have one less blank to worry about literally. <laughs> and I saw it and I just kept going, laughing, joking, playing with everybody. But what he didn't know, what they didn't know was that, uh, I'm, I'm a public figure in America and that, the, the police watch what we what happens. And uh, before I could go to bed that night, <laughs> that, I, that I, I went and found it and I texted him. I said, uh, I, I would like you to know it's OK. If you're the one that'll get me going to heaven, that's fine. I said, but if you do get a chance to take my life, I forgive you, literally. And within seconds, whoever that is, instant messaged me back. And they said it was a dare. They dared me to do it. I said, well, you need to watch out because somebody's coming to knock at your door. And he goes, why is there blue lights outside my house? Because <laughs> yeah, the police wow. literally within an hour were there and just asking him, who are you? What do you do? Do you have the means? Do you know where Reggie lives? Start asking questions like that. And uh, but, but my friend, one of my best friends was inside that whole realm of me doing that. And he goes, listen, he goes, you showed me tonight who Reggie really is to forgive somebody who thinks you should die. Even wow. if they were just joking, it doesn't matter. And yeah. I went, yeah, you just, you got to forgive. It is. You don't know what people are going through. Like somebody who's been dealt gossip their whole life. Of course, they're going to be a gossiper. Somebody who's been in a horrible situation. Of course, they're going to be angry, but we got to stop like Jesus did when he was nailed to the tree to die for our sins. He literally said, father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. How much does it take? to forgive a guy who's driving nails in your flesh. 
if he could forgive, then I need to forgive. Yeah, brilliant, Reggie. And listen, speaking about criticism, it's it's true as a public figure, any public figure, everybody really in life has to deal with criticism. The more seeming success or public um, exposure a person has, the more criticism comes. What's what's Reggie Dabbs' way of dealing with criticism? It, and it's just it's just that it's just. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know what they went through. I don't know who made them angry. But literally, and it's crazy, I know, but I say, Jesus, thank you that I was there for them to unleash on me and not their wife. Love it. And not their husband and not their children. Let them hate me instead of hating somebody that it could change their life forever. Reggie, I've had a really good question come in from a lady called Mandy. I'm just trying to scroll through and find them now. Um, Her question was to do with... Um, here it is. What three things would you say to a child who's had a loss of a de- of identity due to adoption? Oh, uh, the first thing is, and I always, always ask, I used to ask my foster care parents and they said to me, they would go, I would say, why did you guys, why me? Why me? Why would you let me? Why did you pick me? Why am I in your home? Why did I do that? And their, well, their answer always was because we can. I said, excuse me, they go, because we can so I don't understand. They go, because we can. And then as I got older, they said, you know, and I had a, I was adopted with five brothers and two sisters and my older brother next to me, he's like six years older than me. And they, every now and then, just jokingly, my my father, my foster care dad would go, I had to take him, <laughs> but I chose you. <laughs> and I'm like, he goes, don't tell him I said that. But you know, we'd laugh and everything like that. But you know, you gotta, as they get older, you, you got to just be there for it because I'm going to tell you in any situation and in not just an adopted kid, any kid knows if you stick with them through their good, through their bad, through all of that, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And they have to do it. Hey, my nephew just, just, just put ha ha ha. That's his, his dad is my brother. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so hey, sorry, Kenna. My bad. Oh, here we go. How about this one? Carly. Carly wants you to tell us the roller coaster story. Carly, oh. married to Josh, youth pastors, you know them. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, Reggie, you are four minutes, five minutes into an assembly with a thousand yeah. students and you're on yeah. the roller coaster. Tell us the story. Go. All right. Here's the roller coaster story. Okay. First of all, it's like this. Okay. The the meaning of life. Okay. Boys and girls are different. That's number one. Like if one girl got to go to the bathroom, two girls get to go with them. You never hear a boy going, Ooh, I got to go pee pee. Hey, Steve, want to go put me? It ain't going to happen. All right. Then there's this one. Number two, life is a roller coaster. I love roller coasters. They go so fast, makes my fat go backwards. I'm skinny again. All right. But one time I got on a roller coaster, it went so fast. It went so fast. It was like, I, I couldn't see my cheeks flew over my head and all I could hear the whole time was like I'm like what is that and then I realized we were going so fast my fat was suffocating the girl sitting behind me <laughs> okay when I was in year nine all my friends talked me into getting on a roller coaster went upside down Reggie don't belong upside down I go upside down people get hurt but all my friends are like Reggie Reggie so I'm like all right let's do this <laughs> the ride broke it broke. We went down the hill around the curve, halfway through the loop, upside down. The brakes grabbed. We stopped upside down. All my fat is rolling toward my head. I could hear it on the news. Fat man died on roller coaster. Then it got worse. The girl in front of me, she threw up and the wind was blowing in my direction. I can't duck. And if I could duck, my belly button would give me a hickey on my forehead. That <laughs> ain't good. There it is. And the moral is some days you're on top of the hill and everything's great. Some days you're going downhill so fast you want to quit. Never give up on life because they'll fix the ride. The question is, will you be on the ride when they fix it? So do me a favor and stay on this ride. Brandon, I ain't done that. I haven't done that in like nine and a half weeks. See, that was awesome. I thought I'd forget about it. No, that's awesome, Reggie. That's so good. Um, Reggie, you've got loads of questions coming in. In four minutes' time, we're going to get you to play the saxophone for us. Uh, but Keith wants to ask you a question. Do you have any tips for sharing your faith um, in this in this weird lockdown season? People out there thinking about their neighbours, mm-hmm. thinking about friends, work colleagues, how can people share their faith right now? Hey, to be honest, it happened to me today, you know, yeah. when I was getting 
my legs all white. It was like, it was great. It happened to me when I was getting my hand sanitizer. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> me to, you know why? Because I walked into the store and dude, and, and you know, some people wear the mask, some people don't. I do, but then my, my glasses fog up every time. And then I start bumping into little old people and then they die because I'm big, you know? So so I took my mask off and, and there's a guy cleaning the buggies and he gave me my buggy. I said, hey, thank you very much, my brother. He goes, you welcome, sir. I said, you have a good day. Thanks for helping me get my buggy clean. I appreciate that. He goes, you too. And I went to the store, got my stuff. I'm coming out and he goes, hey, Pastor Reggie, I'm like, excuse me? He goes, you don't know me, but I grew up in the youth group at church, and I haven't seen you in about 10 years. I went to the military. I came back. I'm the assistant manager of this grocery store. And when you came in smiling, I was like, that's what I love. And I didn't have a clue who he was, but my smile made him want to know why. And it's easy in the time we're living in not to smile. There's no reason to smile. There's no hope in this thing. I mean, and 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 you I mean you don't know how I'm connected with the real world. My last paycheck was March third. Wow. But I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. How? I don't know. I, I reinvented myself. I, I did videos for people. I do whatever I gotta do. And it's gonna end. This two shall pass. But I've had to budget stuff. I can't do everything I did before, but that's okay. But it's it's the it's the it's the fifteenth of May. That means some people got thirteen days before that bills due. You know, thirteen days before here we go. How am I gonna get? I gotta I gotta get to through May. And then they're like at the beginning of May, they were like, I'll be back to work. It'll be okay by the fifteenth. It'll be all right. And now it's the fifteenth, and it still ain't okay. But you just even in the middle of your wondering, you can have faith. And, and I'm talking, and it's cool because I can do this because of what I just told you. I'm living by faith just like almost everybody else. If you have a job, you're the luckiest brother and sister in the world, you know, because you do. And then don't feel bad for that. Go to your job. Do a good job. Work at it, man. Make it happen. But you got to understand there are people who just literally just need to see somebody smiling. They need to see hope. And if it's in your smile, and they're going to ask Pray, God, let them ask me why I'm smiling. And then you get to tell them, hey, I love Jesus. No matter what, it's going to be all right. Hey, I have no problem living this faith walk because it gives me the right to speak hope in this conversation that we're having right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, buddy. Um, Reggie, right now, Zibi and Magda are on with us. You remember 10 years ago, we flew to Krakow together and you opened the church in Poland. And um, Yes, we, we, yes. They're on, so they're sending their love. Best sausage ever. Oh, my goodness. And the most beautiful town. Oh, is it, that's one of my favorite spots. Do you remember the horse and carriage ride we did? I do. That was pretty awesome. The poor horse was sweating like a mug when I got off. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay, Reggie, we got... 11 minutes before Instagram kicks us off. So grab the saxophone there, play a right, song right. for us, bro, and then we'll be able to all finish right. in here. Here it is, months. soprano saxophone, a.k.a. Kenny G. Now tell me if this is okay. Perfect. Really? Yeah. Okay, okay. What a wonderful world. Here we go. amazing memory of you we were on tour we were in london we were in east end london 
and we did this leisure center. Do you remember the leisure center in Dagenham, East London? Wow, there were more cops than people. And then, like, by the, then by the end, we were glad that because then the people showed up. When gosh. it started, it was like cops everywhere. But then, oh man, it was nuts. So I've I never think- heard. <laughs> it was crazy. The poor band that went before me. <laughs> I felt bad for <laughs> I think Stu's on. Stu might be able to drop Christine Williams. No. There you are. Christine. Hi, Christine. Dagenham, we're talking about your church. We're talking about your event in Dagenham at the Leisure Centre. So from memory, Russ, uh, Reggie, we had about 800 teenagers there and there were something like 80 policemen and then hundreds of security guards. And I remember oh. thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, this is like slightly OTT. And then the event started and it was pandemonium. I've got a memory of Paul Geerling and I stood on the balcony looking down, looking at people dealing drugs the crowd are out of control, and I turned to Paul Geerling and I said, Paul, let's see how good Reggie really is. <laughs> and um, it was a difficult start. And then when you got up, as soon as you started to play the saxophone, it was like they were putty in your hands. It, was- it just went silent, dude, and everybody just stopped. And, and it ended up being an incredible, incredible night. The hope that was given, the love that was given, it was crazy good. It was amazing. It was crazy. It was amazing. Um, Reggie, we've, we've got just a few minutes left. Thanks for playing the sax a moment ago. It was awesome. Uh, tell me, what, what are you finding the most challenging about this period of isolation right now? For you I love, Dude, I love people. I love people. And, and that, that whole thing, I, I saw a lady from church in the grocery store and she was getting ready to hug me. Then she went, oh, I can't hug you, can I? And I'm like, because I'm like that, you know, I'm, the, I'm Uncle Reggie. Hey, give me a hug. What up, G? How you doing, man? And, and, and that's, that's difficult. That's very difficult. But on the flip end, you know, we've been, I've been married 29 years. It's the most we've been together consecutive in 29 years of marriage. And everybody's joking all the time. They go, Michelle, are you ready to kill him? And she goes, <laughs> No. And I'm like, thank God. <laughs> and then she goes the other day, like she goes, you know, that day's coming when you got to get on a plane and go again. She goes, not like you don't need to go. You need to go. But I'm going to miss you. And I'm like, dude. So when it started, I literally said, Jesus, please let me be the husband that I know I can be, you know, without the job. Don't have to fly out in two, three days just consistently day by day. And I know some of you are like, well, I do that every day. Well, quit bragging, you know, but, but I, you know, it's, it was good. It's good. It's real good. But I know things are going to get back to normal. I pray every morning, Jesus, let them find a vaccine. And the reason I do that is because I, so many people are dying. You know, I mean, come on, we have almost 90,000 dead in America alone. The other day on the zoom, I did a funeral. And and it, and I and it, it just literally took me to back to, man, this is not good. And I know God help us get through this. Help us learn what you want us to learn. And we'll never forget those of you who've lost family members and never got a proper goodbye. We'll yeah. never forget the college and and high school graduates who will never get to walk across the stage. Uh, the athletes who are ready to go to the Olympics. And now that's not going to happen for another year. You know, we're with you on this. But you know what? And everybody here say it, but I believe it. This too shall pass, and we're going to be all right. Let's just come out loving more, caring more. Yeah. 29 years married. That's pretty awesome, Reggie. Sophie and I had 25 years this year. Oh, Uh, cool. um, Tell me, Reggie, tell us, what what are one or two keys for a, a long, happy marriage? Obviously, every marriage has ups and downs. It's a journey. But 29 years in is pretty amazing. There's another 29 to go at least. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what's the key? Um, it, when I'm home, I'm home, literally. You know, like when I'm when we're done, I'll go find. We'll watch our afternoon movie, and I'll never pick up my phone. I'll take care of that after the, we're done, and it's cool, man. I've watched her. She finds these TV series that that have been on forever that I've never seen, and she goes, "Let's watch this," and she's literally watching something she's already seen, but she's watching it with me, so that's kind of cool too. So it's fun. It's fun. And even when, you know, when it, when it's normal, when I'm home, I don't see my phone for at least 
15 to 20 hours because she's yeah. the most important when I get off that plane. So yeah. that's important too. Yeah, it's very important. 29 years marriage. Congratulations. Yeah, um, thanks. Make sure you uh, give Michelle our love when you finish and also to Dom as well. Really I do will. appreciate you being with us. Um, we're nearly finished, Reggie. We've got three more minutes. And, um, you know, everybody's saying, can you be their dad? Everyone's saying, can you be their honorary <laughs> uncle? Um, you know, we're sending, we're sending you lots of love from Europe. But how do you think, just last question really quickly, then I'm going to ask you to pray. So how do you think the coronavirus situation is going to, is going to shape us post-COVID-19? Once lockdown lifted and we're able to, able to, to connect, what's different, do you think? I think that the, even the small things, walking into a stadium, you know, you know, going and watch city play, you know, saying hi to somebody, you know, the little things that we took for granted, going to church, that's going to be pretty cool. Um, you know, and the little things, it, 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 hopefully it's made everybody go, and I'm not going to take that for granted anymore. I'm not going to, there's no way I'm going to take that for granted, which is good to do. It's good to do. It's good to be that kind of man and that kind of woman to just absolutely embrace who we are and to live in the moment. Because a lot of people live from event to event, from calendar to calendar, from vacation to vacation, when we can live now. You know, we can live now, you know, getting on the bus, going to school. That's something that you can look forward to. And, you know, and just live in the moment because I think it's cool sometimes. And even me, I, I get too busy about worrying about the next event where I'm going to go. All that's been taken away. And yeah. I'm just literally going, OK, I woke up this morning. That's cool. <laughs> hey, that's good. And that's what we do. We're going to rem- we're going to love the small things. Love it. Brilliant. Thanks, Reggie. Reggie, we have one minute and 35 seconds and then we're, oh. we're, we're finished. If you can, uh, I'll call you just quickly after the interview just so we can catch up briefly, okay. Reggie. Um, but I think it'd be fantastic if you just can take a moment to pray for us all, myself, pray for our church, pray for everybody who's watching and will watch that over the next 24 hours. If you could do that, that'd be wonderful. Thanks, buddy. All right, Jesus, thank you for this night. Thank you for this afternoon. Thank you, God, that you love us and care us. Thank you, God, that even when we don't know, you know. I'll say it again. Thank you that even when we don't know, you know. When the people of Israel got to the Red Sea, you had already made a way across that. And God, there's a way across coronavirus. There's a way across our financial problems. There's a way across that. And God, you're going to take care of us. And I pray, God, that you would do that. God, I pray for those who are underneath that cloud of sorrow, of hurt and shame. God, that you would lift that cloud and they would find their hope in you. God, I pray for depression and loneliness, that you would lift that and let them know they can find their peace in you. All this we know you can do and have done and will do. And thank you, Jesus. And God save the queen. Amen. <laughs> amen, amen. Thanks so much, Reggie Dabs. We love you. Thank you, everybody. So God much. Bless. Hey, I'm coming. I'm coming to Manchester. We're working it out. We've got dates we're working on, so it's yep. going to be good to have you home with us. Good. And we'll make sure we get a, a battered haggis ship down for you as well. See you, Reggie. See you, everybody. Stay safe. Love you all. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this Audacious Podcast. We'd love for you to join us at one of our church services happening every Sunday, 10, 12, and 5.30 p.m.